Hi, welcome to Days of the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. This is a bonus episode I did with Mike Costello of Hunting Ain't Easy. He was on his way down to Arizona, had a bunch of questions about hunting here during the OTC archery deer hunt, so we decided to record it. Gotta warn you, the audio is not great, um, but it's got some good information on it, so... Uh, I thought I'd throw it out there. Here we go. Well, this is kind of like an impromptu uh, podcast, guys. Uh, I got Mike Costello, and uh, Mike is a podcast host, but uh, he's on his way here to Arizona, and he reached out to me, so we kind of uh, decided to turn it into a podcast. So let's uh, let's kind of start with uh, with you're coming here to obviously hunt deer, and uh, yeah. What uh, what are some of the things that you want to know that we can put into this podcast? <laughs> Other than yeah, spots. Well. I don't give people <laughs> spots anymore anyway because it always bites me in the ass. But Absolutely. Yeah, we're the big muleys. Yep. Um, yes, what's funny about this is that, and the reason I reached out is literally like 50 weeks ago, first week of January last year, or this year, I was binging on your podcast. <laughs> Nice. As I was driving to Arizona, as I was driving to Arizona for the first time, and now that I've got uh, nine hours or so of windshield ahead of me, I figured I'd reach out and see if we could talk about hunting in Arizona. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I, I, uh, I'm you know I'm coming from California, and it's funny because I talked to the biologists down there both last year and and this year as well, or last season January and, and a few weeks ago for this season. And they always, they you know, the deer numbers are low. You're not going to see a lot of deer, like not going to see, you know, you're not going to see a lot of bucks. And then, um, but relative to where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. you know, central over the counter, central California over the counter. D A zone. zone. Oh, B zone. Yeah, no D. Oh, D, D. D zone primarily. Yeah, Sierra Nevada. Um, you know, if I see... If I can sit on a, a ridge overlooking you know, some of the flats in the desert and see one or two bucks a day or one buck a day, mm-hmm. that might be one buck more than I would have seen in uh, in in my home home area. So okay, yeah, you should be okay then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Relative to what I'm used to, low deer counts in Arizona are are are, are just fine. Yeah. Well, see, the thing about the, so. Uh, we're not going to give the unit that you're going to hunt. So think about the unit that you're going to, that I think you're going to hunt based on whatever you're texting me. Um, yeah, the the density is super low, but yeah. if you see a good, if you see a buck, it's probably going to be a good one. Yeah, that's that's the thing about where you're going to hunt. There's a, you know, and that's that's pretty common for all of Arizona. So any of the areas that are Lower buck to doe, uh, excuse me, lower density and higher buck to doe ratios are mm-hmm. usually bigger buck units. Like you see, now in Arizona's, this goes for elk or anything, like you could literally throw a dart and you can, if you put the work in, you can find, you know, a 400 inch bull or you can find a, you know, 190 inch buck muley buck or 100 yeah. 100 inch coos buck whatever the units 
it's not like some other states where you they just don't produce you know they don't have the genetics the genetics are now that being said there's there's units that are way better that there's a you know like a higher uh frequency of or the higher chance of seeing a you know larger buck or a larger bull yeah since we're, we brought i brought it up whatever but um yeah. it's just it's not uncommon to see one come out of just anywhere you know what i'm saying that's, yeah that's the one thing arizona's got got going for it still I like that. Um, in January, when I came down, I came into one of the central Arizona units, and um, uh-huh. the first day, I think the first day I saw, um, first full day I saw a small a group of deer, group of, uh, I think it was like two fawns, a few does, and then what I would consider a nice buck. Now, I'm, I'm a new hunter. I'm... I'm five years in, just got my first buck this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but it was, uh, and, I, and I couldn't score a, I couldn't score a buck if, if you laid it out in front of me with measuring tape. So I don't know, I don't know what a 170 buck looks like if I've seen one or not. Right. But, um, but I saw what looked like, a, there looked like a, a, a three by three or a three by four mm-hmm. nice buck, you know, not, not huge by any means, but it was like, oh, okay, there's, there's a good buck in there. And there's also, I think a, a, a forky, um, in amongst this group. And what I'd heard through podcasts like yours is, is often that if it's pre-rut, you know, you'll get the younger bucks hanging out with the does. And then when the rut's on, there's like this, the, the, the switch gets flipped and right. then the big, the big bucks show up. Yes. And, um, and like, as though it was staged for me, um, the next day there was a there was a new buck in that group, uh-huh. and and that buck absolutely dwarfed all the other deer in the group. I mean, the does could walk underneath them; it seemed like, yeah. And he just, <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's the buck. That's the one that I need to be looking for. That's the one I was waiting for. Yeah, because uh, you know, kind of a typical rack four by four, just huge body, and um, I have no idea what he would have scored, but it was like it was like what I'd been learning uh, in the term, you know, in terms of the big buck shows up after the others have been out with the does for a little bit. Yeah, so this is a good. That's a good uh, place for me to give you a little tidbit, and you probably already know this now because you said you binge some of my my uh, podcasts, but the. The thing about the rut is if you find does and you find several groups of does, like you can find a uh, a large group of does and there won't be a buck with them. But mm-hmm. that large group of does is probably not going to go very far. They'll probably be there the next day or in a few days or whatever. You got to go back uh-huh. to check those deer because eventually yeah. one of them is going to start smelling right and a buck is going to show up. They will come from right. miles and miles away. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have bucks patterned in the early part of the season, and they are four or five miles away. And I know because they're four or five miles away, I find does that are within yeah. within five six miles of these deer, 
and I know that they're going to be on those does eventually. They will That's come awesome. from. They'll come from wherever the hell they're at, <laughs> all the way to where the does are. It's not like us. Not like un, unlike us uh, retard guys that do bend over backwards <laughs> to get chicks. They do the same thing. So, which means going back to where that buck was, you know, as as you move in a rut, mm-hmm. maybe the, maybe a mistake because. A good chance, unless the does are already there, he's he's leaving. Right. So if you have found deer in October or November, because you went yeah. and did some scouting, um, and there wasn't does around, and you just found like bucks, chances are they those deer will not be there when you go back. Yeah. Yeah. No 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 scouting on this trip for me. I scout a lot in in my home area. Um, a lot, probably too much. <laughs> but, uh, oh, but that's how you learn the land you know it's yeah. it's also about you know putting your feet on the ground and seeing where to go and how to get there and like now when you glass up something from you know the ridge or whatever you're talking about yeah and it's not just theory you, you're not just dropping down and and go, when you know your boots have already been there you're like okay i know i where that deer is that little rise is something I can stand behind or I can, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's really important. That's like, yeah, makes the difference between a successful stalk and, a, and having a blown stalk is many times it's, it's not that easy in the glass to determine comes with practice and lots of experience. But a lot of that experience is with you actually doing the walk down there. Um, yep. and not, not, you know, you're not, it's really hard to recognize what those features are that you're looking. I can recall oh, yeah. years, years ago hunting with, um, one of my cousins and he was talking me in on a radio and he's like, John, that buck is right above you. He's like 50 yards. He's like 50 yards. And, and I'm like, Yo, man, you're you're freaking crazy. There's no deer. I would be able to see it. I'm looking that direction. I will not. There is no deer there. And it turns out this buck was actually back like two ridges beyond behind me, like two rollers. But, you know, at the time, I don't think his glass was as good as it is now. But you you don't see it looks like all one ridge right it looks like all one thing uh-huh. it's just like a little bit of undulation but really what it is is a drop down and up and a drop down and up and i started to go that way and once i got to the top of the ridge that I, like the little roller that i was on i could see across to him but i was 150 yards from him it's just that kind yeah. of stuff happens and if you don't spend the time stalking and you know, scouting and walking around and trying to figure that stuff out, you may not be successful because it might not be something that you can recognize in the binos. But yeah, that was, that was a lesson learned in January, um, getting up on a ridge or a a peak, probably only maybe 300 feet up from the, I'd say the flats looking down, it looks flat. It looks like I'm looking at one continuous, yeah. you know, <laughs> one continuous canvas of, uh, of, of the terrain and then getting down in there, realizing, yeah, there's, there's five different washes between me and the deer. 
and then trying to figure out which one the deer were actually, you know, which of those little ridges or spines the deer were actually on was, mm-hmm. was quite, that was an awakening for me. I did have one, I had, I'll say I had one good stock or one successful stock in the sense that I got um, from about a mile away, I was able to, to, was able to, to set, you know, map out a path, you know, kind of get myself behind a little ridge so I was no longer visible, drop down through a wash and got to within 30 yards of a buck. It was mm-hmm. just forking. And um, I got anxious in that last 30 yards because there was a little knob between me and where I thought the deer would be. And of course, I'm trying to figure out which which bush I was looking for because um, they all look the same at that point. And so I got sloppy, literally, you know, in the last five yards, trying to get my head up over the knob so I could see where the deer was. And as soon as I did pop up over it, mm-hmm. he was looking right. At me. He was looking right at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I've been there before. <laughs> No, no, never. <laughs> I've, I've never made that mistake. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, good, good on the first mile. Um, just that last five, ten yards is, is needs some work. Yeah. But uh, that's but usually where that's... it falls apart. <laughs> that's usually where it falls apart is the. Yeah, it's so funny. I can't tell you how many times I've found myself doing that. Like I've spent all this time going slow and being super quiet, and then. When I need to be doing it the most is when I when I don't, you know. And yeah. I think I think the majority of people will do that if you're not conscious about it. If you gotta like, because you get anxious and you get excited, you're like, oh shit, I'm freaking here, dude. I'm I'm like right right by him. I yep. gotta I gotta hurry up and get this done. And, yeah, um, I'm sure I, that gets I that gets a lot of people. Trust me. <laughs> I could have taken an hour for that next 10 yards probably and it would, and, and the deer still would have been there, but, um, I didn't. So lessons, lessons learned. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm excited about it. That was, that was a fun trip. Um, literally followed these, this small group of, of deer for about three days, uh, back and forth across this Valley. And, um, I don't know if I was pushing them or they were doing their normal, normal pattern but i just never could get within other than that one deer um that one buck i could never get within more than you know maybe 100 or 200 yards of them to actually put a stock on that bigger buck but for as a as a as a and this is obviously why so many people come to arizona for archery you know as a opportunity to kind of work on work on skills work on glassing skills work on stocking skills and just have those plays, you know, a couple a couple times a day. Right. Uh, it was it was incredible because you just don't get that. I mean, you've hunted California. You don't get bucks out in the open like that um, in your typical, you know, blacktail or even muley zone for California. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. I feel like I I everywhere I've hunted in California, even some of the uh, less favorable places. Um, yeah. I've gotten into a lot of deer. Now, the, my my biggest thing with California is the time of year and the conditions do not make it very conducive for spot and stalk hunting. And uh, really, I can't tell you. I, I I probably have a hundred stories easy where I was a hundred and ten yards or 
about 110 yards or maybe even less, like 90, 90 <laughs> to 110 yards, and I just couldn't get any closer, couldn't do anything about it. And I had to watch deer walk away, and or or, yeah. I, or I blew him out or whatever, you know, the case. Um, a couple of times where I sent some carbon in the air, but, um, yeah, it, that, that, that's the thing about California. So, um, but I noticed I hunt a lot different than everybody else did when, when I started hunting out here or out there, I should say, um, you know, with the tripod and glass and all that, and everybody was going for a bow hike. Um, uh-huh. And then they were, you know, wondering why they didn't see any deer because they hear you coming from a million miles away because it's so crunchy and yeah. loud and yeah, it's, it's terrible. So, um, I saw a lot of deer, had a lot of opportunities, always have in California, but it's been a difficult place for me to, to score split the way that I hunt and my, my level of patience, which is not great. So, uh, walking on cornflakes this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Arizona, you know, I think is is a wonderful place for people to, you know, get some. It's one of the hardest places, I think, to spot and stalk because honestly, and I'm not, I don't want to diminish anything like high country bucks and all that stuff. I think they're way easier. It's yeah. a way easier hunt. For me, personally, it might be a little bit more physical, you know, more hiking involved and dealing with elevation and whatnot. But I think it's an easier hunt for me, personally. Um, You know, uh, velvet deer are a little bit more patternable. Like, on a rut hunt like this, you can find the buck. He could be laying down with a doe, and it could be... 1130, and you're like, oh, cool, this is a slam dunk. He's in his freaking day, he's in his day bed. And halfway over to him, he's up and he's pushing that dough around. Yeah. And and you can't do anything about it. Um, what I do love about and I love I do love the rut. I I I enjoy it more than any of the other hunts. Is that if you're hunting with a partner, especially, mm-hmm. um, it's very conducive to what I call spot and ambush. I actually wrote an article um, okay. a while back. I think it might actually be on my blog. And if it's not, I might throw it up there. Let's see. I did, I, I wrote it for Earned Magazine uh, a few years back. And spot and ambush, so I don't know, this is not going to be a... Are you hunting with somebody? No. Solo. Okay, Jared Solo. So this will... I mean, it, it, it can still work for you. Um, I've, I've done it myself personally, especially with antelope. Um, but what I, what I do is I watch the deer and I kind of watch their movements and I try to get to where they're going before they get there and have them come to me. Yeah. So I'm spotting and stalking kind of like I would, but I don't go to the deer. I go to where they're going to go. And that comes, yeah. you know, sometimes it's super easy. You can see them, they're, you know, they're just walking and feeding, walking and feeding. And it's, you know, they're heading on a pretty steady line. Uh, they're usually walking into the wind. So you got to be really, 
conscientious about cheating the wind and getting it right so that you can make it work. But um, that is by far been my biggest tactic uh, or my most successful tactic during the rut. Uh, waiting till like waiting till their bed is, you know, like I said, it's it, it can work out really well for you, but it's got to be one of those situations that you cannot waste time. You put a deer to bed, you're like, he's not going to be there for several hours. He's going to be there for like an hour. Might even be there for a half an hour. Whatever the case may be, but you you just got to make it quick, you know cover ground quickly and then slow up when you're close enough that you need to, you know, that kind of situation. Yeah. The, the other, the other side of the coin on the rut, I, I think I experienced that with this group that I was following for a few days last year was um, they didn't settle down a whole lot. The, the, the bug, the, the, the two bucks were that were in the group the most were up and on their feet more than anything. Mm-hmm. And then, the other issue was that uh, you got all those other eyes and noses and ears. <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> there was a, there was a, one of the junior bucks in that group never could quite hang out close with the does and the and the older buck. He would always bed down like a hundred yards out, and so I'd have to find him before I even attempt anything. And I realized they've got this thing wired to where the does are all looking different directions. Yep. Yeah. The the junior bucks are kicked out of the group, so they're they're, they're like the alarm. They're the sentry out a hundred yards out, and uh, and you got to get in past all those. And it's obviously it's not easy. No, no. It's definitely not but easy. I, I like the idea. So I'm going to be down for about five days, and I like the idea of. You know, if I can keep myself disciplined, I see some people in the first day or two of just spend, you know, spending that time watching them to get an idea of what their what their full day pattern is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that is if I can maintain my own discipline and, and watch them for that day or two to get a sense of what they're doing and then apply that to the next day when I actually go in and try to stalk them. Right. But, again having it work out that way and, and then keeping myself from saying, oh, I'm just going to go for it is, uh, is, is going to be a little bit of a chore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very good at doing that. I'm not very you good at being, I'm not patient at all. <laughs> I'm a go, go, go guy, but yeah, luckily I've been go, go, going for long enough that, uh, I have a lot more, uh, experience to recall on during those stocks, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, it may not even be that you need to watch them for a full day. Just kind of just watch them for a little bit and kind of see the direction that they're going. Uh, make make note of the wind. They're usually going to feed into the wind, you know, Yeah. usually that's, that's not a hard, fast rule for anything, especially not during the rut, but that is a, you know, rule of thumb, I guess. So. And in the desert, so obviously, you know, in the mountains, uh, alpine setting, mm-hmm. thermals can be pretty solid and, and kind of fixed in place during the, you know, at least the middle of the day. You can rely on thermals. Is is the desert a whole different issue as far as that goes? Or, or no, do you, I, do you I, I think that, that 
it's more steady. I think the desert okay. the desert floor once the thermals are going up, it's a lot. It's a lot more uh, steady than than you would if you were up at elevation. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, and this time of year, the wind and the weather is a little bit more predictable. Um, you know, early season you deal with monsoons and winds change a lot and it's hot and you get not only you get thermals going up you get um thermal um i forgot exactly how it's called but it's like where the wind sucks in and sucks back um and that happens a lot more during you know the hotter months um and the other thing is you, you know we we will get december this time of year we will get some rains we just got some so the helps kind of like moisten the floor up and well the ground up and make it a little bit more quiet um than you would be dealing with um you know let's say well i mean you get monsoons too that can we get the monsoons and rains then you get that too but it dries up a lot faster yeah you guys had a great (laughs) season great great season for rain this year yeah does that carry over? You know, it's been monsoons or, you know, August, July, August, September. Um, does that carry over in terms of the green up? Is it, is it still, you know, as There's green a, as, as a month ago? No, no, it's definitely not as green as it was. But we are, we have, we've already gotten two rains here in the last, you know, couple weeks. Um, so I'm starting to see some more green, green up coming back through. But there's a lot of dead like tall grass right now depending on where okay. you're, depending on where you're hunting i my daughter had a um november junior tag for javelina and uh holy shit man it, it's like grass like up to your chest and it's all dead wow. and, and it was we i mean hard very you could barely see the deer so like it was super hard to find javelina um i bet but um yeah so depending on where you go i i don't i don't think in the unit that you're going to is going to be you're going to run into much of that not um, too grassy i don't think it's a grassy unit no no it's definitely not a grassy <laughs> unit that is i think it's i think it's thorny yeah well they're all thorny that's for sure <laughs> um yeah i i don't think you're going to have that issue there cuz that that gets even less rain so I don't think yeah. you got that, um, you know, that really tall grass growing. So, so in January, it was, we're coming off of, you know, or is in the midst of that horrible, a horrible drought. Um, mm-hmm. The bucks, the bucks were definitely right there with the does. Uh, that big buck stepped out and, went to, and joined up with them. I was down there the first week of January. I didn't see them actually any breeding though uh-huh um and so i may have been like right a day or two early for that so let's say that let's say that the peak rut was it was like january say third through eighth where i was or third through tenth mm-hmm. and then i went back i went back later in the month and the deer were all dispersed they were scattered uh at least the, the mule deer were and um and what i'm curious about is let's say the rut was Peak row was January eighth. Um, uh-huh. On that, 
drought setting is because you've had better water this year is is the rut likely to be a you know, peak rut central Arizona the same or is it likely to be earlier than what so I So we, we don't really have a peak rut here. Arizona okay. uh, for the most part is a trickle rut. They will start they will start rutting activity sometime in late November and a lot of times it'll go all the way to March. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So okay. you the most action you typically see is and depending on where you are in the state so the further north you are the uh-huh. earlier it starts and the higher elevation than the further north the earlier it starts um and i'm not sure why that is but it, i it, and it tends to start earlier like here in the phoenix area like day after christmas um i that's when i see a lot more running activity now okay. i've already been out i've been out since opening day a couple times and i've opening morning i found running buck so uh it really just depends where you're looking and and whatnot but yes when we do have good rains so when you don't have good rains it affects the extra cycle of those so basically when there's a when there's a drought, like last year, and I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there. Let's say sure. only 60% of breeding age does hit their estrus cycle. And that might be way off the mark. but So yeah. you just don't have that same intensity that you would have. Um, because And that's just nature's way of... The habitat's not healthy, the deer aren't healthy, so they're not going to reproduce. Yeah. Okay? And that happens a lot, and I've seen it more and more. of Every time that we have a really crappy rain cycle leading up to the rut, and especially during the rut, um, because we didn't have, it was so dry last year during the rut, like, I don't think it rained the whole, whole December and January. Yeah. Um, then you know you see that you don't see as as intense like so this year I expect um and yeah I expect it to be like normal you yeah. should see you should see a lot more bucks chasing does a lot more activity just them on their feet a lot longer during the day not bedding down as quickly um that that kind of that kind of stuff that that's typical yeah. of of an Arizona rut hunt, um, but I honestly there is no peak of the rut here. Like okay. you can go from unit to unit, and and I tell clients this all the time. They're like, "Oh, where which unit are we going to be hunting?" And I'm like, "Um, yeah, all of them. I don't know. You know, it just depends. I have ideas. You know, I have based on." years experience like this week that week let me go to this year but right. it flip-flops you know i could be up here in phoenix and chasing deer and then the following week i could be down by the border you know it right. just kind of it moves it ebbs and flows it's and it's because one we don't have the greatest buck to doe ratio um 
two, it's such a harsh environment. And the deer, they weren't all bred at the same time. So when you have a really close buck-to-doe ratio, um, mm -hmm. most of your does get bred about the same time. So their estrus cycles are all about the same time. That's like when you go to, like, Illinois or something for whitetail, you know from, like, November 7th, <laughs> you know from November 7th to the, you know, 14th, you're going to be, like, freaking hair on fire. Uh, you know, and the rut goes the whole month, right? But it's not, yeah. that's why you could say the peak of the rut. There, I don't think there is such thing here. Because it literally, you could go from one unit to the next, and you could be having, there could be, you know, 50 does in that unit just smelling great, and everybody and, and everybody's frenzying and running around, and it's crazy, and you can literally cross the road into a different unit, and you don't see that. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't ever put too much weight on dates. Um, I watch the weather. I watch the moon phase. And, it's more the whole season. Yeah. I watch the weather. I watch the moon phase. And I just I keep an eye on on the does, you know, just watching the does. If you got does patterned, you just got to keep going back and checking, sticking and moving, going back to, you know, to this group then you got to go to that group and go to that group and just kind of keep going back and forth and eventually you're going to find that buck because he's going to find those that you know that you know about he's going to find them for you right right and that's yeah that's good that's good that's so, it's so different because you know california it, you know august september if i find a big group of does or does and fawns i'm like okay i'm in the nursery now i need to go find where the where the, where the boys room is <laughs> right um but uh, kind of flip that on its head when, you know, the rut is either happening or going to happen because the does are going to be, that's the attractant. That's what's going to bring the bucks in. Yeah. There's, there's really no, there's nothing mystical about the rut. Um, no. Even though anywhere and everything you go, you're going to find out, you're going to find people that are, are going to give you, you know, different information that makes makes the rut look mystical and whatnot. So I, I and I I say this in when I, when I talk about elk hunting, when I talk about deer hunting, whitetail, muleys, coos deer, whatever, your main thing is the boys want to get laid. Yep. Find the girls. You know? And if you're scouting, like you're not this time, but if you're and, and maybe technically you are because you said you're going to come back in January, right? So now might be a great time. You locate a bunch of doe herds, you know, big groups of does. Right. Mark those spots, man. Those does probably are not going to go very far from there. They're there for a reason. There's the right feed. There's the right amount of water, the right cover. Does always, their number one focus is all year round is food, feed, food water, cover you know and not necessarily in that yep. order but that's that's what they're and so if they found the right mix of that they're usually going to stay there for for until something changes right and yeah. the bucks this time of year their main focus is you know the girls getting a little <laughs> something some so they yeah that that's all you need to do is find find the hot spot of where the where the does are at and eventually you'll have opportunities, you know? Yeah. For me, every trip's a scouting trip. 
I don't, I don't, you know, <laughs> whether I've got a tag in hand or not, it's, it's always, it's always scouting. Cause I'm always going to log whatever I find and see, you know, don't see away as, as future, future information, like the trip in January. I can't go back there right now. Cause it's not open now, Yep. but, um, I'll, I'll get back there at some point. And I know, I know the Valley and the ridges and the, the washes where I was watching those deer and you know, maybe it won't be the same deer, but, but there will be deer there again. So yep. it's, uh, that's, that, that's an easy, that's an easy go-to. Yeah. If the habitat if, hasn't uh, changed, if the habitat hasn't changed much more, more than likely where yeah. you found deer in the past, there will be deer there again. Yeah. It almost makes it sound easy. Uh, yeah. Almost. It is. It's super easy. <laughs> I, you just have to put the time in. Right. So here's, here's another thing that I, I, I've found and, and maybe you can add to it. Um, you know, my normal home hunting, big mountains, I like to be 6,000 to 9,000 foot elevation, like the big basins, get up on a ridge and, and, you know, glass into them and whatnot. That's where I see deer, Mm -hmm. but down your way in the desert, my first instinct is of course to go up high and look into the drainages that are up high in the mountains. Um, but then, but then what I read, like where we talk to the biologists, they're saying that the, the big bucks are down in the flats and in the washes. Yeah, they're not, it all depends. Not, they're not the it all so depends. It all depends on the unit. Um, okay. but yes, where you're going, I would say for sure, definitely get up high and look low. Just look look low. Mm-hmm. Don't expect them to be up on. They don't. They don't necessarily venture up onto the the bulls or the basins so much. No, that's that's uh, cool. Not in that unit so much. Yeah. Um, no. You know, and it also depends on what kind of deer you're looking for too. Like if you're looking for coos deer, you might look up on the ridges. But even even coos bucks will be down in the rollers and in the flats, and especially this time of year. Um, it's really very unit specific that that yeah. particular that particular um, thing that you're talking about is is very yeah. unit specific got it but you guys have so much different terrain like from the northern yeah. regions yep. all down south it's uh there's there's a half a dozen there's a there's a dozen, dozen different types of deer hunt you guys have so it's uh it's kind of endless um i I'm for, that was my first hunt out of state, and I think Arizona is going to going to be my my go to for a while until they take it away. Well, <laughs> until, they, until they take it away, which I guess they're talking about already, right? Yeah. In well, Georgia. I don't know now. Now, now that it seems like they've come to a, uh, they're going to go to this threshold method, which, um, I was I've been I'm sort of advocating for because it's a it was the lesser of all the evils. Uh-huh. Uh but um i'm not sure that it is the um the solution for long term so it's not a quota per season is it well basically yeah so i don't know if you're familiar with hunting um if you were to come hunt bear hunting or mountain lion hunting here yeah yeah um you have to call it in you know you have to call in every day technically and mm-hmm. see if the unit is still open Wow. So technically a unit could close. Yeah. 
which is, I mean, you come out of state and you set up camp and then your unit's closed. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, whatever that last unit is that's still open during the, the over-the-counter season would just be a, a quite a, it'd be a party. Yeah, it'd be, you know, 10,000 people in one unit. It's possible. I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't know. I honestly, when I was when I was advocating for it, I don't know if that I thought it through as well I, as as I have now. Um, I I do see a lot of issues, a lot of problems potentially coming up with, you know, with this new proposed idea. So. Yeah, that's definitely something for another podcast. I don't want to get into it yet because I <laughs> policy stuff. I don't know if you. I cover a lot of policy stuff, which you know in California it's a it's a it's a target rich environment because we've got too too many policies. Right. But um, sometimes there's just no easy answer. I mean, you know, no, you oh, there really isn't for this for this particular because you know something's got to give, right? And people just need to understand that if you want a healthy deer herd and maybe yep. potentially get back to where we are now, right? The right. Ma- the management practices have to stop. Right. You know, they have to change, I should say, not stop. They should have they should have to they need to change and they need to change quickly and effectively so that we don't lose the deer herd. We have a couple more years of drought, we're going to be fucked. We're not going to even have any deer. Right. Okay, you know, not only the, were yeah. the deer stressed for the last couple of years and dying off and not having farm recruitment, having shitty ass um, rut and not probably not impregnating as many does and so on and so forth. Yeah. Our success rate went through the roof because yeah. everybody was sitting water and just killing these poor deer that including myself. I did it, too. I sat water, but I didn't think sure. it was going to be continued and keep going the way it was going, and it just did. I was like, oh, shit, dude, it's just getting worse and worse. And you, there was a point that you could just sit water, and, you, you know, if you stayed there long enough, eventually you were going to kill a deer. Yeah. That, no, it, it was that kind it, of situation. And uh, it's And honestly, I mean, we're not there right now, um, but... Sitting water is still a very, very, very viable option for you, especially where you're going. Um, you know, it's going to be a long, boring ass sit for a couple of days, but eventually a deer is going to come in there, and you're going to get a shot. So, um, that, that, that maybe days four and five if I'm not if it, if it's just not working out before yeah, then. Yeah, we'll see. Um. Yeah, so that's 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 that. We'll leave that alone. <laughs> do you have any yeah. other? Do you have any other uh, questions? Specific questions um, on no, on no. hunting there? Um, um, not other than you know which cactus do I need to look behind to find uh, you know a two hundred inch buck? But yep. I'm, I'll, I'll, I will report back to you on which cactus I found it behind. Um, perfect. After the after the hunt. Perfect. Perfect. So you, so you can scroll that away. All right. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. All yeah, right, Mike. Well, uh, happy drive over here, and uh, good luck to you on this week. And um, why don't you tell our listeners about your podcast real quick, and uh, they, they can uh, 
take a listen yeah. to you. Yeah, it, it, podcast is called Hunting Ain't Easy, uh, inspired by my uh, the fact that I'm here in California, and it took four years to get my first first good game animal, which is a, a, a black bear, and I got that in I guess 2020, and then this year I bought it my first buck. All right, yeah, first buck in this year, 2021, and so. Hunting Ain't Easy is on Instagram, of course, and then all the typical podcast channels. The focus that I like to have is, is very much California hunting. And then um, I'll say maybe 30% of what I do cover is, is regulatory issues here in the state. And I just, you know, my big deal is as a hunting community, and you talk about this, mm-hmm. you know, the hunting community, we've got a voice if we get ourselves aligned together and, and not focus on bashing each other, but focus on, you know, hunting access, hunting rights. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a good voice. And, and so I want to get people in the state um, together to where we're, we're speaking the same language and we're, and we're leading the dialogue, not always reacting to the dialogue. Right. Right. No, that's great, man. I appreciate it. Um, appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. I will, uh, I look forward to hearing what you, what you come up with over there and uh have a safe drive and we'll talk Thanks to you sir. soon all right john take care Thanks right. for the time. We'll yeah, see take it bye. easy bye, bye.